Okay. Chapter 6. At the end of the Friedrich Rebbe's Mimer, he explains. By the way, if you, I'll share the link to the Friedrich Rebbe's Mimer. It's much easier to understand, and very very interesting. Uh, that's the that's Basi Lagani five seven ten. So five seven ten was nineteen fifty approximately, and and five seven eleven is nineteen fifty one. So five seven ten is. Basi Lagani five seven ten is the Friedrich Rebbe's Mimer and five seven eleven and on is the Rebbe's Mimer and each year on the day of tenth Shvat the day of the Friedrich Rebbe's passing the Rebbe would expound on another one of the twenty chapters of the Friedrich Rebbe's Mimer so it took him twenty years to expand on each of the chapters each year and then he started over again from the beginning in uh, twenty or twenty one in the twenty first year. At the end of the Mimer, he says, We're, what, When we say that the Divine Presence is primarily in this world, in the physical world, where is that? Primarily, the, the revelation of that is in the Holy Temple, in the Beit HaMikdash. And he says, that's why the Mishkan, the tabernacle, which the Jews built in the desert, was made out of wood, but a particular type of wood Namely, atzeshitim, acacia wood, and the Hebrew word for this type of wood, shitim, is related to the word shtus or shtut, which means folly, foolishness. Why would the wood used to construct a holy tabernacle have some kind of relationship to foolishness, folly? And the Friedrich Rebbe there explains that the idea is that what are we trying to do with our worship, the worship that goes on in the in the tabernacle and more broadly our worship in general of God, is that we, we all have some foolishness, some folly within us, and it's unholy. It can be an unholy foolishness. Dem koch fun nefesh abahamis. Koch means like cooking. That the, the animal soul is, is really um, obsessed or really excited you know, that steak, he gets really excited, he's salivating um, over it. That's a shtus. That's a foolishness. That's a folly of the of the animal soul. And we need to, to, to transform that folly into a folly of holiness. To do something crazy, we were talking about it the other day, Eric mentioned it, um, to, to do something crazy, but do something in, in a holy way. As, and and he gives the example. The example is from the from the Talmud, Tractate Ksubot, page seventeen a, where it says, that there was a certain rabbi, a venerable sage, who was well served by his folly. So this was somebody who used to dance, at a wedding, and you would think such a venerable sage was not, it is not according to his dignity to do so. But the fact that he he engaged in a holy foolishness because he was there to make others be joyful, to bring joy to the bride and groom. Ahanali. It served him well. He was blessed by it. So that's an example of Shtus de Kedusha. Avoidu Basically, it means worship of God in a way that transcends logic. And a, and a and a um, a, a, a bitl, 
a selflessness in the face of God that transcends logic. All the things that the previous Rabbi demanded of us. And the same thing applies to the earlier leaders of Chabad, what they demanded. They themselves fulfilled what they what they preached. They practiced what they preached. And similar, just as we say about God, that the things that He does, He asks of us to do. All the mitzvahs that He asks us to do, He Himself fulfills them. It's not like certain politicians that demand one thing from the from the masses, but they are exempt. Rather, Mashu Oise Hu Oimer, Yisrael, Mashu Oise. What he does, he tells the Jewish people to do. And what he commands, he does. And the same thing with the tzaddikim, with the, with the rebbes, that what they requested, what they demanded of those who were bound to them, his, their chassidim, they fulfilled it themselves. They didn't give orders that they themselves didn't fulfill. And in fact, they, they revealed to us that they fulfilled these things. And why did they, they tell us that they did these things? So that it would be easier for us to fulfill them because with the knowledge that others have fulfilled it, makes it easier for us to do it. So the Rebbe uses an example. He's a, a, an example of what the Rebbe's did and demanded of us. And the example he gives is from the realm of Abbas Yisrael, of love for one's fellow Jew, that there are many stories, from each of the previous Rebbe's. For example, the Alter Rebbe, who stopped and interrupted in the middle of his prayer, and he went to go and chop wood, and to go and cook soup, and himself fed a woman that had just given birth, because there were no men in the house to take care of her, and the Alter Rebbe himself went to do it. And when did he do it? In the middle of, of, of the prayer. He's in the middle of the prayer, and it occurred to him that there's this woman who was alone and doesn't have anyone to to tend to her and he goes and he does it so that's the story of the Alter Rebbe then the, the next Rebbe his son was the, the Mittler Rebbe that once somebody entered to a private audience with him what's called the Echidus and was complaining about things that the young people complain about in matters of uh, sinful matters. And the Mitla Rebbe showed him his arm and said that this, the reason that my arm over here, my skin clings to my bones, this is from your sins. In other words, you, this is, the, this is how, how connected I am to you, that when you make a mistake, when you fail, it affects me physically. The Rebbe, the Rebbe elaborates and says that it's obvious that the Mitla Rebbe was such a holy person, that he was so transcendent from these types of things, these types of sins, and nevertheless he remained so bound. He was so the intensity of his bond to his Hasidim was such that when they did things that weren't proper, this caused a physical ailment for him, that his health was weakened because of their behavior. That is the measure of his. Abbas Yisrael, of his love for his Hasidim, that he's so bond, bound to them, 
that their mistakes, their their failings, affect him in such a physical way. They affect his health, that his skin is clinging to his bones. So that's the Alter Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe, and the third Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek, Rabbi Menachem Mendel. That once it happened that before prayer he went to go and lend money, or make a loan to a simple person that needed it for his parnasah, for his livelihood. To the Tzemach Tzedek son, the fourth Rebbe, the Rebbe Marash, that once he went, he traveled, he made a special um, trip to Paris just to meet a certain Jew, a young man. And there's a long story that he, the guy was was gambling in the in the casino, in the hotel that the Rebbe Marash was staying at. And he went into this casino, which is already something unusual for a, a Rebbe to do. He went in there, he sat down next to this Jew. And he said to him, Jungerman, young man, Yayin Nesach is mitamtem hamoyach v'halev zayayid. Says young man, Yayin Nesach, which is non-kosher wine, stuffs up the mind and the heart. Be a Jew. So this was obviously a Jew who had, um, we gotten a little bit lost, and the Rebbe Marash gave it to him straight, and spoke to him very bluntly. And then he, and then he, after he said this, the Rebbe Marash went back to his room in the hotel. And this young man that he spoke to went back to his house, but he could not rest until he came to back to the Rebbe Marash and he returned with teshuva, with repentance, and had a nice, wonderful Jewish observant family came from him. The Rebbe now elaborates. We Everybody knows that for the Rebbe Marash, Rabbi Shmuel, time was so precious to him. And time was so precious to him that even the way he said Chassidus was Bikitzer. He used to say very briefly he would teach Chassidus. Why? Because his time was so precious. And in, in certain times, at 8 o'clock he was already after the prayers. It's unusual in the Hasidic courts. Because he used to pray for a long time. But nevertheless, he makes this special trip of, to, uh, far away and stays there for a while all for this one particular Jew who has gotten lost. So that's the Rebbe Marash. Now the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe Rashab, at the beginning of his leadership, there was some decree that came out from Moscow. Um, and he had to travel to Moscow because there was some government decree that he needed to deal with. And his older brother, the Razo, Rabbi Zalman Aaron, said to him, your time is so precious, and you don't even speak the language so, so well, Russian. Whereas the Razo, his brother, was a linguist. And you, you see, we said to him, you don't know the language, your time is so precious, and you have to go and find, you know, um, make connections. Why should you go? I'll go on your behalf, and you tell me what to do. But the Rebbe Rashab did not agree to that. And he himself went and he was successful. And so there are many other stories. There are many stories from the Friedrich Rebbe about what he did to try to help another, even for just for one person. Either either in a spiritual matter or in a physical matter. 
and he really um, put himself aside for this. Not just his physical well-being did he put aside, but even his spiritual well-being he put aside in order for the sake of helping others. And who was he helping? Not somebody who was a friend of his, not somebody who was his colleague, not somebody who was on his level of Torah and mitzvahs, but somebody who was nowhere near his uh, level of connection and, and, um, and level of piety. So now we're at chapter 7. We'll do one more chapter and then we'll open up the questions. Through transforming. First, so there's two things here. Skafia and Ishapcha. Subjugation and transformation. Subjugation is when you say no, even though uh, there's a temptation. And Ishapcha means you've transformed the foolishness of the animal soul into holiness. And when you do that, you fulfill the purpose of creation, which is to create a, a dwelling for God in this physical world. And that's Basi Lagani. God comes to his garden, to his bridal chamber. And, it, and when God returns, and we talked about this in the, one of the JLI courses, when God returns after being chased away through the sin of Adam and Eve, when God returns to this world, it has to be that God is going to be present in this world in a way that is greater than it was in the, in the origin. Originally. Why? Because if it's just the same, then we didn't get anywhere. There was no gain. There was no, no. There was no benefit from the whole story. But rather, it's like when you want to build something, you first got to knock down the old building in order to build something new. But if you're going to knock down the old building and build the exact replica of the old building, <laughs> what did you gain? Only Ishlamazel would do that. In Chelm, that's what they did. But. If you have a little seichel, you're only going to knock something down if you're going to build something bigger and better. We must say that through our work, God's presence in this world is going to be at a greater level and to a greater degree than it was before the sin. Jump over here to the end of the of the chapter here. Again, the Rebbe talks to us. Um, now the Rebbe is talking about the death of the righteous. Again, you have to remember the Friedrich Rebbe had just died a year before, and he quotes the the teaching that the paraduma, the red heifer, the fact that it purifies, that is the the death of tzaddikim also purifies. And he says that today, in the exile, we don't have a paraduma. We do not have a red heifer. But we, and therefore, because of our sins, we had, we, we are in the exile. We don't have a, a red heifer to, to, to create purification. But we had the death of a tzaddik. And he's talking, obviously, about his father-in-law. And... We, we, we the, the, our sages say that the death of the righteous is equal to the burning down of God's home.
This is what's being demanded of us. The seventh generation to the Alter Rebbe, and all sevens are precious, that even though we didn't earn it, and we didn't work hard for it, nevertheless, all the sevens are precious, and the service of the seventh generation is to bring down the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, literally, in the physical world. To transform the folly of the animal soul, which ev- this is a you know, the Rebbe talks straight talk to the Hasidim. Everybody knows if they're honest with themselves. Everybody knows that he has the foolishness of the animal soul within him. Nobody should fool himself with the big hats, with the long beards. Everybody knows they have an animal soul with its craziness, with its foolishness. And the excitement of the animal soul about certain things. Everybody knows that he has it. And sometimes even at a lower level. Our job is to take that excitement of the animal soul. For what is not holy. And transform it into a holy foolishness. It's okay to be crazy. Just be holy crazy. Crazy about holy things. Right, let's finish the moment. I think it's uh, we're almost done. So I think that we can keep going. Chapter 8. Um, and this is what it means that when a tzaddik passes away, when a righteous person passes away, that even though there were already many difficult things that happened that we cannot understand, that wasn't enough. And in order for God's presence to fill the world, it also had to be the passing of the righteous. Perhaps the Rebbe was talking about the Holocaust. You would think that that would be enough. So it's the passing of the righteous, which is even more difficult than the destruction of the temple. And what is the point of it all is that God's presence should ultimately be filled this world. And this is what's demanded from each and every one of us. That we should know that we are find ourselves in the seventh generation. And the advantages, the Rebbe is repeating this again and again, driving home the point that the whole advantage is that we are the seventh to the first one. And what was the first one? Abraham, what did he do? He did not seek out anything for himself. Even Mesiris Nefesh, he didn't even seek out the lofty level of, of, of self, self-sacrifice. Because he knew that his whole thing was to call out in the name of God and cause others to do the same. And just like Abraham, our forefather did that. Just as Abraham, what was his practice? He would come to places that they did not know of godliness. They didn't know about Judaism. They didn't know even from Aleph Beis, the Hebrew alphabet. And going to these places, and putting oneself on a side, and causing others to call out the name of God. And here the Rebbe says that we derive this from the fact that what it says about Abraham, Vayikra, he called out. And the Talmud says, don't read it, he called out, Ela Vayakri, he caused others to call out. Says the Rebbe, if you want to be Vayikra, if you want to have your own personal relationship with God and call out to God, you're only going to be successful in it if you are helping others to call out. He says, If he wants the Vayikra to, and to internalize the Vayikra, his own calling out to God, 
it must be the Vayakri. You have to make sure that the other not only knows of God, but is calling out to him. Even though the, the person did not know of anything. He shouldn't think of God and the world as being two separate things and that God is controlling over the world, but rather the world has no existence outside of God. One last chapter. Let's finish it. Now the Rebbe addresses a person who says, Who am I? All of a sudden, everybody becomes humble. I'm going to be like Abraham. I'm going to be like Abraham. So that's true. But nevertheless, some measure of it, every person is required to aspire to. And we're given the strength to do it. And the Friedrich Rebbe showed us the way and he paved the road and he gave us the, the strength, the powers to do it. And this is the pressures of the seventh generation that so many uh, powers were given and revealed for us. And through this type of worship, we will bring down the Shekhinah to the physical world and it will be even greater than before the sin of Adam. As it says about Mashiach, that he will be greater than Adam Arishan, even before, greater than Adam was before the sin. And the Friedrich Rebbe, um, just as he saw our our tzaris, our difficulties, he will redeem his flock from this uh, spiritual exile and from the physical exile and place us in the place of light. But this is only in revelations. He will connect us with the essence of God. And this is the, the inner purpose of all of the, cre- the creation of all of the worlds, and the whole, the whole concept of the sin and the fixing of the sin and the concept of the death of the righteous through this, that the, the divine presence is revealed in the worlds. And when he will take us out of the exile with a upright hand for all the Jews, there will be light, as we read in the Parsha, Parsha's, Parsha's bow. Um, there will be Oz Yashir Moshe. Then Moshe and the children of Israel will sing and God will rule forever and ever as we say in the prayers and we also translate it into Aramaic and we end off God will be the king his name will be one God will be one God is one and his name is one there will be no difference between God and his name the the, the concealment of God will be removed this happens through the death of the righteous which is worse than more difficult than the destruction of the temple given the shame the alien and since we have already passed through all these things then not the only thing that's left is for us the seventh generation to do our job, and we should merit to see the Rebbe Dolamata here below in a physical body, Lamata Mehasaratvachim, below ten within ten cubits of the ground, Vihu Yigalenu, and he will redeem us. Wow. That is the mimer of five seven eleven. Any comments or questions? a long time to really absorb and understand all this. <laughs> and we did the easy chapters. Oh, gosh. There's so much stuff. Let me send the uh, the link in case you guys want to...